0: Welcome to the Economics Explored podcast, a frank and fearless exploration of important economic issues. I'm your host, Gene Tunney. I'm a professional economist and former Australian Treasury official. The aim of this show is to help you better understand the big economic issues affecting all our lives. We do this by considering the theory, evidence and by hearing a wide range of views. I'm delighted that you can join me for this episode. Please check out the show notes for relevant information. Now on to the show. Hello. Thanks for tuning into the show. In this episode, I chat with entrepreneur Rick Ivanovich about his new book, Business as Unusual, How to Thrive in the New Renaissance. Rick argues that nothing is going back to normal. And in Business as Unusual, he gives us his thoughts on the mindsets, habits, and skills we need in a world in which there's no more business as usual. Okay, let's get into it. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Rick Ivanovich. Rick Ivanovich, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me, Gene. That's oh, terrific. Rick, uh, keen to chat with you about your new book, Business as Unusual, How to Thrive in the New Renaissance. So uh, very interested in that. Um, to start off with, I understand you're coming to us from Vietnam. Could you tell us a bit about your journey to Vietnam, please? Rick, how did you end up there uh, in terms of your career trajectory?
1: Oh, great question, uh, Gene. Yes, I I am uh, calling in today from Vietnam, from Saigon, or Ho Chi Minh City as it's known as today. You might be detecting from my accent that it's from Britain. (laughs) So I'm a Brit, although people do accuse me of having an Australian twang. Um, but maybe your listeners would dispute that. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so how how do I get here? You know, how do I, how do I get from where I actually started off with, which was in a supermarket in the UK? I used to work in as a, as a, as a management trainee in a supermarket chain, uh, when I, when I left uh, school and, um, didn't quite make the grades to go to university. And, uh, having, You know, worked in a supermarket for some months. After about six months, I realized I I sort of felt brain dead, as in I wasn't applying my brain uh, because I'm a numbers person. And, and, you know, I was a good student at school, apart from when it came to those last exams. (laughs) And for some reason, I suddenly decided, you know, working in a supermarket wasn't for me. Working with people wasn't for me. I want to become an accountant. Okay. Don't know where that came from. (laughs) Maybe the numbers, or maybe it was a careers advisor at school who told me, oh, you're a numbers guy, Rick, you should become an accountant. So I went back to accounting school, became an accountant, joined an uh, audit accounting firm, which I really didn't like. Uh, So switched to management accounting and worked for a brewery, which was far more exciting. Mm, (laughs) (laughs) I think it's the only company I've ever worked with where they they gave you free beer and wine at a lunchtime <laughs> and encouraged you to drink it. <laughs> um, and then that led me on to other things. You know, I moved to uh, defence uh, manufacturing, defence electronics, and then um, facilities management or an IT bureau, which is today known as cloud, mm. <laughs> cloud computing. And then I moved to real estate, and then I moved to oil. And when I was working for that oil company, uh, they moved me to China, and then they moved me to Vietnam. So that was all the way back in 1990. So I've been here for a while. It's been a it's been a long and and uh, unusual journey.
0: Right. Yeah. So you've worked across a diverse range of industries, and you were in oil, but you're no longer in in oil. You've been doing your own thing or running your own business. Is that right? You and that's what you're doing now.
1: Yeah, that's right. I mean, back in, uh, in 94, I was going to get shipped back to London. Oil price was running at about $15, mm. which was ridiculously low compared to today. And it was going even lower. Uh, so that had obviously changed all the economics of those companies. And, uh, having been in Vietnam for some years, I hadn't met my previous five bosses. So it would be very dangerous to step onto that plane and step off the plane in London and Mm. walk into the office because that would be a very short journey, I think. Yeah. Um, So I found out about a voluntary redundancy package and I retired. So I actually retired back in 1994. I am a a workaholic, though, so that lasted for about five seconds. Uh, (laughs) And I started up an IT company. And we're still doing what we we started literally 30 years ago or 29 years ago, 30 years next year, which is to implement accounting systems. Mm. You know, I'm an accountant. Implement accounting systems seems a bit obvious, uh, and we do it in about 80 different countries around the world today.
0: Very good. Okay, as an economist, uh, yes, I could. I'm very supportive of. Uh... Uh, my cousins or my fellow, you know, people in the accounting profession, and I understand the value of it. So uh, that's uh, that's good stuff, right? Oh well, Rick, I better ask you about your new book, "Business as Unusual." So, with the title "Business as Unusual," what are you driving at there? What is the uh, the genesis of that title? Could you explain that, please?
1: Well, the genesis of of, of that was, you know, the book was birthed, as it were in about 2020 I've always had this you know on my life goals list you know might be or could may have been a life fantasy list Uh, you know go write a book (laughs) and it's been there for years Um, but if we go back you know some years if, if we can all remember and I'm pretty sure everybody listening can remember 2020 is when we had that COVID pandemic sort of sprung upon us By surprise, and it was during that that period that I actually, because I had time on my hands, funny enough, (laughs) I started uh, (laughs) writing a book, and uh, you know got it actually published earlier this year. But as as we were locked down, and I I know in Australia, you know you locked down the country for some years, and here in Vietnam we effectively locked down the country for some years as well. So. uh, as an expat here, as a foreigner, I could leave, but I couldn't come back necessarily. So that was not a good idea to Mm. leave. And so therefore uh, I actually worked out from the start of the pandemic, when they started the lockdowns, which is tail end of the first quarter of 2020, I didn't move more than about 10 or 15 kilometers away from where I live for two years, Yeah, literally for two years. Wow! As this was all happening and as things started falling apart and all the wheels fell off everything, <laughs> people kept saying, when this is over, when we, you know, go back into the offices and it goes back to business as usual, when, you know, we this is just the new normal, you, you know, we'll get over this and everything can just go back to the way it was before. And this just sort of annoyed me. <laughs> <laughs> more than anything mm. else like, there is nothing remotely normal about any of this there is no business as usual and especially here in vietnam you know where the clampdowns were pretty tough you know were confined to an apartment you know you need a permit to literally walk out your front door and go down to the, you know go down to the shop once a week or twice a week but, Really, really, really tightly controlled, and it was open closed, open closed, open closed, and this went on for a while, and each time people thought it's over, and we can go back to the office, something else happened, oh, we got another lockdown, or another, 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 uh, and I said, there is nothing usual about this. this is all unusual and and that's where the where the title came from business as unusual because Shock after shock, or surprise after surprise, kept hitting us. Whether it is another lockdown, or you know other things we experienced, there's a bit of a war going on, and you know in Europe, isn't there? Uh, you know we mm. have the the economic turmoil that's hitting some countries. We've had a Great Resignation, or Great Insert Word that you want. All these things are, are, are happening and have been happening, and and it's not over yet. This is just
0: unusual yeah 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 certainly the since 2020 uh, i fully agree with you i've got a couple of questions and a few things i want to explore so rick uh, you said yeah things aren't going back to to normal i mean what have you noticed what things have you noticed haven't really settled down in in say the way we work or the way we live so the economy society what have you really noticed hasn't gone back to normal
1: there are a few things. And so when we look at normal, you know, what do we really mean by that? <laughs> <laughs> mm. So uh, you could say that's linked to a bit business as usual. So that, that business as usual doesn't have to be in a work context. It can just be in a non work or a, a life context. Um, and I think this is all very much linked to this, this great resignation or reshuffle or, or whatever you want to. I want to call it pre pandemic, pre all of this happening. Um, normal one could argue was that, you know, we get up, we go to the office, we sit in our cube, you know, we yeah. go home, we get on with life. <laughs> so married with our job, married to our job, maybe married to our mortgage, <laughs> got bills to pay, right? <laughs> Kids in school, all that kind of stuff. And I feel that there was a, as an, an acceptance that we might be a bit a bit like that hamster in a wheel at work. You know, we're in a cube, we're in a cage, and we're not going anywhere. COVID comes along, and they took the office away, they threw the cube away, and they threw that wheel away. And, you know, are we any better off? Mm. Well, we don't even have a wheel to run around in. You know, we're not even in that cube anymore. We're just somewhere else, which might be your home or wherever you ended up being. Because at the end of the day, when the lockdowns happen, it's like musical chairs, isn't it? You know, I know people who were on a business trip and they couldn't get back into Vietnam. They also couldn't get back into their country of origin either. And they were just stuck wherever they were stuck. And <laughs> you know, it's very, very, unpo- you know, it's yeah. crazy. I know some people who were stuck literally for six months or 10 months in a third country where they didn't want to be in in the first place, but they couldn't move. Anyway, so I I liken it to, they've you know, we're no longer um, that hamster or whatever running in circles in a wheel going nowhere. I feel that people feel that they're not too sure what direction to go in anymore. And so it's more like Mm. we're still that hamster or any other animal you want to call yourself, uh, but we're trapped in a maze. You know, there are lots of different directions we can go in, uh, but they're not necessarily leading anywhere. And you know, it's a bit like the um, the Cheshire Cat in, you know, Alice in Wonderland when Alice comes to the crossroads and sees the cat and says, you know, which way should I go? And the cat's sort of saying, well, it really depends where you want to go. Uh, and Alice is replying, well, mm. I really don't know. <laughs> the cat's saying, well, it really doesn't matter where you go mm. because you're not going to go anywhere. Um and and I feel that's what the great resignation is all about. You know some people have been forced to resign because their industry has collapsed or the company they're working for has gone bankrupt and it's collapsed, or they didn't like how they're being treated when all this was happening, and so they've been they've had to resign or they were terminated or or they walked with their feet because the grass is always greener. The only problem is is people have found out the glass isn't greener <laughs> and they're still moving around. And, and so the ripple effects of the great reshuffle as, it's, you know, as it morphed into are still happening and it's you know, happening across the world. So the way that we look at work has changed. And we can see this by the yo-yo that we had. Maybe it's less this year, but especially last year when companies opened up again. Hey, you can come back to the office. Yeah, but we've been working remotely for a year and I like working remotely. I don't want to come back to the office. So, you know, if your company allows you to work 100% remotely and you like it, you know, you quit in, right? No no worries. However, what happens Hmm. if, you, you know, you're forced to come back to the office and you're told you must come back to the office or you must be in the office for X days when you want to not be in the office? Conversely, what are those? What about those people who really, really miss the office? They 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 miss all that collaboration, all their friends, and they want to go back to the office. Okay, but they're told, no, no, we got rid of the offices. We worked out we can save loads of money by having no offices. Go work you know from home or wherever you want. So the whole way of working yeah. is is changing, <laughs> and some companies are enforcing it. Some people are sitting on the fence, you know, and and that's really confusing. Okay, it's really, really confusing. And so not only does that affect each one of us as an individual, hey, what is our company doing, you know, which we may agree or disagree with, working within that, okay, because I'm I'm seeing that more and more, or I don't know what the percentage is, but I feel it's very high, very high percentage of companies have some form of remote work now or hybrid work, and the way that you work in a hybrid situation is new to a lot of us. Okay, like hey, we went to the office and like we sit around the water cooler and we go out for lunch, we have a coffee, and we go for a beer or whatever. That, that's how it works. But how do you do that when half the people aren't there? So how do we communicate? You know, yeah. today we're on a we're on a Zoom call, which maybe two years ago, you know, we weren't that expert at Zoom, whereas today. Well, come on. It's a basic skill. <laughs> you need to be expert on Zoom and Teams yeah. and all the other video conferencing platforms. It's just a new tool that you absolutely must know. So all of, how do we work? Oh, that's a tricky one. What's the best practice for companies? Oh, that's a tricky one as well. How can there be a best practice when we're still trying to work it out? And that's just work. Now, if we look at from another point of view, how about our lives? OK, in the mm. year or so, depending what country you were in and whatever restrictions uh, that you experience, you know, if your work, the way you work has changed, how has the way you live changed? You know, in a lot of countries, especially what I found here in Vietnam, having been locked down for so much, there's some really basic things that I started missing. You know, I'm not a tree hugger. Okay, however, once them doors were open, you could actually go outside, oh my gosh, there's a tree, let me touch it <laughs> you know i haven't seen haven't touched one of these for, for literally months, okay, and then you you know w- yeah. when things are taken away, maybe we we start appreciating and we start noticing things that that we actually missed going for a walk, you know. In the woods. Yeah. (laughs) Silly thing like that. Or, you know, walking on the grass in bare feet or going down the beach, you know, going down the beach and striking up a barbie. (laughs) You, You know, all of these things were taken away.
0: Okay, we'll take a short break here for a word from our sponsor.
1: If you need to crunch the numbers, then get in touch with Adept Economics. We offer you frank and fearless economic analysis and advice. We can help you with funding submissions, cost-benefit analysis studies, and economic modelling of all sorts. Our head office is in Brisbane, Australia, but we work all over the world. You can get in touch via our website, www.adepteconomics.com.au. We'd love to hear from you.
0: Now back to the show. As a matter of interest, Rick, can I ask you about Saigon? Uh, because I don't know a lot about it. I mean, I'm, other than a, I mean, it's a large city. So if it's like other Southeast Asian cities, then uh, it could be very difficult to go outside and just walk around, go on a, a nice, relaxing walk. Like, wh- what is it like? I mean, is there are there places you can go? Are there parks uh, if you do get outside, or do you have to travel further afield?
1: In Ho Chi Minh City, officially, there are nine million people here. Okay, I just call it 10 million people. In a place with 10 million people, there's one thing you're guaranteed there are always people about.
0: (laughs) Yes, yes. Okay.
1: And the weird thing during COVID was that the city turned into arguably a ghost town. Okay. Because, like any other sort of urbanized city, um, where are the people really from? Are they native to the city or do they come from outside the city? So the big challenge that that I feel the Ho Chi Minh City faced and its impact on people was that, yes, it's, you know, the bustling, the biggest metropolis there is in the country, um, and it's also the employer of an awful lot of people. You know, mm. in, in the whole province of Ho Chi Minh City, because the city itself is a province, it's so big, there are multiple industrial zones, and there are hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of workers there. Those are not native to the province. They come mm. from elsewhere. So when the pandemic hit and they say stay at home, and you know, if you're a factory worker at you know, home, is the room that you're sharing that you happen to live in because you work in a factory, okay? Home is miles away. And as as they tighten down restrictions, uh, and, you know, we had things like tent cities emerge, mm. as in, yeah, if your company can provide you a place of sleeping, a tent, literally, uh, which could be set up in a factory or even in your office, then you can stay there. You don't actually have to leave that office or building. And th- and that happened for a while, but but what happens if you, you employ 50,000 people? It's a bit tricky, right? <laughs> yeah. um, so there was mass migration. When they shut it down, hundreds of thousands of people were fleeing the city. Okay, so the city sort of shrunk because a lot of people left, uh, and it was literally a ghost city, you know, whereas on a normal day, you have to look both ways very, very carefully to cross the road and and if you go into the busy streets, you might even learn to, need to learn how to cross the road because <laughs> there is yeah. so much traffic. At this ghost home, you can do what I used to do back in the early 90s when I first arrived here. You could lie down in the middle of the street and nothing would happen because there was nobody there. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's weird. So for me, it was like, oh, Nostalgia. There's no one around this is wonderful there's an I can't hear anything there are no noise <laughs> there's no toot toot right There's no noise con- there's no noise control here either <laughs> uh and so there's constant noise all the time and it was like silent. it was wonderful Loved it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so it also reminded me what I missed. What I missed. What oh, i am right. missing.
0: Okay. <laughs> oh well. I mean, it's good that we're out of uh, locked out and restrictions and everything. Even yeah. if we're not getting back to normal, even if we're in this uh, business is unusual, uh, I think it's still preferable to uh, to what we had during the uh, the pandemic with all the restrictions. Right. Um, can I ask Rick about? are you arguing or you you think that we're in a a phase now we've we've left the pre-covid world and we've just got to get used to this unusual uh, you know unusual things happen or maybe we were deluding ourselves pre-covid and we forgot that things unusual things can happen what's your take on that should that just be our basic operating principle you should be careful assuming things are going to be business as usual There's a debate about whether, in the past, we ever it ever made sense to do that. We should expect volatility. We should expect shocks, so to speak. What's your take on that, Rick?
1: Yeah, I I agree with you. You know, it's it's the VUCA mindset, isn't it, which was penned uh, a long time ago. Uh, And and we, we, yeah, VUCA, as in um, volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. So that VUCA mindset. Now, if we had a VUCA mindset with COVID. You know, we'd be highly resilient and agile to it and, like, whatever. Mm. We'd be able to cope with it. But (laughs) not many of us knew that mindset and therefore, like, you know, somebody moved all the goalposts and, you know, what do you mean I can't go in in or out of the country? What do you mean Mm. I can't walk down the road Mm. and walk my dog or whatever? I mean, this is ridiculous, yeah? Mm. So all of those personal freedoms that we have taken for granted, I think we have got a rude awakening that, well, okay, this is an unusual situation. Um, We're we're taking them away, uh, and there's huge backlash to that. So anyway, I believe that there is no going back to normal, okay? Uh, That's why I call it business as unusual. I think we need to embrace the unusual. No matter what anybody says, COVID is over or whatever you want to class it, Look at what's happened just this year with the generative AI. Yeah, You know, that took people by surprise. Like, where did this come from? Well, okay, it's been brewing for more than a decade, guys. <laughs> but, you know, that, that has hit the world by storm. So that's yet another, you could say it's another shock. Okay, it's another huge shock on top of all the other shocks that we've had. So do you want to call it a shock? Do we want to talk? A, call it technological advancement? <laughs> okay, because that's what it is. It's just some bright sparks dreaming up some more great innovative ideas, and it's called generative AI. Uh and and the world is embracing it in fits and starts. Okay, so some people are advocating, oh, this is terrible, legislate against it. And other people are, you know, the first movers um are embracing it and racing ahead. That's just Version one, you could say of generative AI. What's next? You know, it's yeah. going to keep on coming and c- coming at us. So how we live. Okay. And how we work needs to be adaptive to that because we're either going to get steamrolled and squashed by it or we are going to be resilient to it. We're going to be agile to it and we're going to embrace it and use it to keep moving
0: forward yeah well the take up of it is uh is extraordinary and uh i mean all sorts of people are finding uses for it and uh, i mean i find i find it's helpful you have to bear in mind that it's a a not very good intern i think as kevin kelly described Mm. it so you've got you know you do have to be careful what it gives you and it it says that well, you look at it it doesn't necessarily give you factual information if it's if, you, if we're talking about ChatGPT and sometimes the images that things is it MidJourney the the uh, generative AI uh, image creator or whatever it is or uh, they can you know do quirky things like create you know give people extra fingers and things like that so you have to be careful with it mm. but as a first start on things it's just extraordinary and. I mean the the risk is if you know we AI gets to you know if it's if it makes it easier for people to commit scams to to hack to and then you know if you think of all of these nefarious or these worst case scenarios where the AI becomes uh, what did Skynet become? And terminated? It becomes sentient or it became yeah. uh, hmm. conscious and then it sort of takes over I a mean, bit. I think that's probably a bit outlandish, but. Yeah, I, I agree with you. AI is one of the things we need to uh, – that's a huge, um, huge development, and, yeah, we'll we'll have to see how it all uh, develops, and, I mean, potentially we will need some regulation around it. Anyway, that's just a comment rather than a question, Rick, but if you did want to respond in any way. No,
1: no, no, it's, it's true. At the end of the day, AI is a tool, mm. and like any tool, it can be used for different things. You can use uh, use it for good. And you can use it for, for not so good. Yeah. Um, and, and there, unfortunately, there will always be not so good folks around, <laughs> uh, doing not so good things. Uh, but we shouldn't let that overshadow all the wonderful things that AI can actually do. I mean, there's so many positive applications to it today and. I think as people become more aware of it and it becomes more readily available and more cheaply available, not just for individuals, but for organizations as well, it can really, really, really help. And at the end of the, you know, I like your comment that, and I, I agree, it's, it's like a not a very good intern. Yeah. Um, I, I would re, reframe that. I think it's good to teach it like an intern in that it, doesn't know what to do okay um so it's not going to uh, proactively do something until you prompt it so it really is linked to how good are we in asking it to do what we want it to do and i think that's how most people are using uh, the typical ais at the moment the next level is already how do you teach it and this is even chat gpt how do you teach it to respond better. So again, yeah. take that intern analogy, how would we teach it to do things better? And if you know how to do that, then it will.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're, it's just early days and already, I mean, it, it's helpful. I, I use it to generate the first drafts of show notes, episode titles and mm. uh, episode descriptions and, yeah, it gives you somewhere to start. So it's uh, terrific in in that regard. Right-o. um, Rick, what about some other uh, things that could be coming at us uh, or that could make things unusual? Have you thought about anything? What other possibilities there are? I mean, climate change. I mean, so if you think about some of the extreme scenarios around that, is that something that concerns you? Anything else?
1: Well, I guess climate change should concern all of us. And maybe this is something where AI can actually help us You know, arguably, AI is collective wisdom, isn't it? It's all our knowledge. We just have to ask it in the right way. So, again, it's it's a tool and how we use the tool. So, for climate change, there are a couple of things. I read an article the other day about what Google is doing with AI and the airlines. One of the biggest contributors to climate change is air travel. Mm. And one of the things that causes um, a negative climate effect is the vapor trails that an airplane creates when it's flying. Okay. And that contributes, to, I can't remember the number, but it's some horrendously high number, 30, 40% of the pollution that it's, it's creating. So the challenge was, was can we use AI? To do something about the airplane's trajectory to minimise that, okay? Mm. Because it's the airplane yeah. going through the different, going through the air, and and you know what type of air is it? You know how saturated that air is, how warm it is, how cool it is, and it can cause more or less vapor trails. Keep a long story short. Anyway, they worked it out, okay, and are trialling getting the air, air you know, when, when when they're flying the plane is to do some minor adjustments to go a little bit higher or a little bit lower to reduce mm. the vapor trail. And in trials, they've reduced it by even as much as 50%. And that's just a little tweak. <laughs> you know, yeah. that's not very much. Now, other things yeah. as well. I mean, we know with with, with the earth getting a lot hotter Yes, we all want to whack up that aircon <laughs> uh, and we're whacking up the aircon to make our environment cooler, um, but we'll make environment cooler because it's hot. Okay. So there's other tech out there already to try and reduce the heat, okay, uh, that a building has. And again, using some AI uh, in their analysis of this. So it's a bit like uh, the paints that they have created, all right, which will um, help uh, reflect the right type of rays, okay, the sunlight, which will – and they've actually worked out that if they use these panels that they've created, which reflects the sun, okay, but at only certain wavelengths, mm. it actually cools – it's cooling, okay, but it doesn't block out the sun. It's only certain rays, and again, AI is being used for for things like this. So there, there's yeah. an awful lot of good that we can use AI, but AI sensibly. And obviously, you know, certain industries like the health industry, you know, I would expect to see huge, huge inroads in that. Things will carry on changing, and I think. With advanced tools like AI coming in and becoming more mainstream, I think the pace of especially technological change is going to accelerate. Mm, Yeah. Now going back to business as unusual and say, well, that, that, that's unusual. You know, technology is all very well and good. And uh, we all have our attitudes on whether technology is for good or not so good. The second part of the book or the second part of the title, you know, business as unusual how to thrive in the new renaissance yes thank you you've got a book and in yes. this business as unusual world, well, you've got one and i still have yet to actually physically touch one <laughs> that was another usual thing but the second half of the you know the subtitle how to thrive in the re- new renaissance what's the renaissance got to do with it well i've already yes. touched on technology you know, in the original renaissance, technology was the printing press. Arguably today, uh, the rene- uh, the new renaissance is technology advancement, is, yeah, around the internet, the power of that, all the apps we have, and now generative AI. You know, uh, the original renaissance was all about exploration, you know, finding new countries, new lands. These days, it's finding other things. It's like going deep inside humans and seeing more inside the brain or whatever is going on inside us. Uh, going into the depths of the oceans, uh, but it's going beyond the earth, you know, going to the stars. The other thing, the other biggie uh, was the challenging of authority. So back on the original Renaissance, that was the challenging of the church and the power of the church. In today's Renaissance, it's the challenging of political structures and countries <laughs> and how countries are governed. Okay. And finally, and I think this is the most important thing, and, and, but I left it to last, even though I should have said it first. The original Renaissance was about humanism. It was about humanism. And the new Renaissance is it's still about humans, and it's about human potential in the light of all these technological advancements that we have. And so that's why I really believe that the human side is super important, and AI is not a human. You know, there are quirks about humans that make us human that the uh, AI doesn't, doesn't have. So I see AI and other technologies as a way to augment our potential. We can do a lot more using AI. For example, you yourself said, hey, you use AI and it can dream up a couple of uh, topics for you. That's wonderful.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah, and, yeah. It, and it saves you a load of time. Yeah. yeah? Which makes you more yeah. productive and you have more time to do some other stuff. That's
0: wonderful. Well, it takes you away from what do they call it—the tyranny of the blank page, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which which can make you procrastinate. So, yeah. uh, so it's good in that regard. Um, I want to ask you a couple of things about what you said there, Rick. Although that was all all fascinating. So, uh, one of the things you you talked about was government, and so that we're in this new. Renaissance. What are you thinking about with with government? I mean, clearly there are all sorts of uh, you know people seem to be more unhappy with government than ever before. There are concerns about, uh, yeah. I mean, the US in particular is a you know really problematic. And just looking at it from the outside, it, it I mean, it doesn't look good. Uh, what's going on there? Um, it looks like it's uh, it's it could, it's very volatile. Uh, I mean, what are you thinking with? with government. I mean, do you do you see changes in the way we we govern ourselves? Is is technology part of that story? Uh, what are you thinking what are you thinking there, Rick?
1: That's a big question. (laughs) Mm. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) No, I'll put a caveat around that. I'm not political in the slightest. I don't like talking about politics. It's always gonna upset people. But if we go around the world and we just look at COVID, I guess the jury's still out, we can say, on which countries handled it better than others, okay? And who's making that opinion anyway? Is that us as individuals? So I feel that it really doesn't matter where we were on the planet during COVID. Each of us experienced whatever we experienced. And the question is, is were we expecting some kind of benevolent government (laughs) to know better And help and support us or should we be more independent and be able to look after ourselves? That's a big question. It's a loaded question as well. My feeling, my feeling is a lot of people feel that they need to look after themselves better. Mm. Yeah. Because if no one was looking after them (laughs) during that period, what are they going to do when it happens again? Because at the end of the day, if we go back to the the earlier days of the pandemic, um, there's some people who are saying, well, we knew this was going to happen. Okay. It was inevitable. Yeah. That some kind of pandemic of this scale would happen. All right. Mm. And um, maybe the voices have gone silent or they've been drowned in the noise of everything else that is going on in the world. That Okay we told you so we told you it could happen and it can also happen again because we've already proven that it can happen. So how prepared are we for the shock or the, the new challenge of something similar, but different happens again? Yeah. Uh, You know, how, you know, how are we going to cope with it? So going back to the business as unusual. So, how is, you know, Business As Unusual, which is the first in the trilogy, is written from an owner, an owner-leader perspective of, of an organization. So how can you make your, your organization more resilient to this kind of shock? You know, if if you were, let's like, say, in the hospitality business, <laughs> tourism mm, business, yeah. you got pretty well, you know, beaten up uh, uh, during, during COVID, there are certain industries which, which got absolutely flattened. So how could you be more resilient to that in the, in the future? Now, the, the other two books, just so you know, that are in the series, uh, the next one I'm, I'm, I'm writing is The Life As Unusual. So I'm looking at, at the individual, you know, mm. how that, that needs to change, how we view mm. life needs to change. And it's all of this, the next two books is all already in there in the first book, we're just going into, into more detail and taking a different perspective, okay? Because on the life one is, you know, people used to talk about work-life balance. You know, oh, you're too many hours at work. You're a workaholic, da, da 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 not spending enough time at home. And some people say it's not a work-life balance. It's a life-work balance. You know, I, I argue it's neither. Balance is balance. <laughs> balance is balance. You know, who said life and work uh, the two sides of the balance there, are many aspects of the balance that need to be considered. And this is, I think, the, un- the, the awakening that, that I sense has happened during the last few years is people are reflecting on, because they had nothing else better to do, maybe, or they were forced to do it on what are they doing with their life? Yeah. So the fact that. Maybe you couldn't go out, you couldn't go for your walk, you couldn't go down to the beach, you couldn't travel, you couldn't do the things that you wanted to do, and that was taken away for you for a period of time. How important are those things to you? Some of them you may realise that, oh, it was irrelevant. Others, like, oh, I really actually need that, okay? Now, as those realisations happen, whether it's what you do when you're not working – the pastimes and the hobbies that you have, because you might have had to change them to something that is restricted to where you live, <laughs> the four walls of where you live, rather than yeah. being able to go outside if you had to go outside to do it. I think we're having to reevaluate it, what the importance of these things are. Okay, that, that's for us as individuals. The other thing that happened that is 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 really acute, I, I find, over the pandemic, is relationships mm. okay so how was it you know i think what, what, i can't remember what the statistic was in the us but i think the number of divorces went through the roof <laughs> okay cuz you're actually stuck with your partner or your family for a prolonged period of time in a restricted space so in a lot of yeah. cases it didn't go so well and in mm. other cases it went wonderfully Okay. But another scenario could be well, what if you were separated from your family? There are many people who who have moved. They might have siblings, they might have parents, they they may have their own kids in other countries, and they didn't see them for a long period of time. You know, what does that do to the relationship? I mean, during COVID, I I lost my wife for 10 months. You know, some people might be going, yeah, lucky you. No. (laughs) but uh yeah she was medevaced uh in early sort of around March uh uh, 2020 and then they closed the borders in Vietnam so she couldn't return okay so I had medevaced her to a a third country which was Singapore and she was on uh, rehab uh, because it was a back operation they were teaching her how to walk again and and uh, uh, so she was in the hotel across the road and just had to go in uh, for um, to see the doctors and all of that to, to teach her stuff. And then uh, as things tightened in Singapore, they commandeered the hotel as a quarantine location and kicked her out of the hotel oh, and moved yeah. to another hotel. That happened three times. Also, since to learn how to walk again, they used to take her out outside to walk. They had to stop doing that. She wasn't allowed to go into the hospital because she... She's an outpatient. She's not allowed to do that. So she was stuck there for about four months before I managed to move her to her country of origin, which happens to be Switzerland. So she managed to get in there. So for it, it took me several months to get the right permits when they allowed people with the right permits to return to Vietnam. So it took me 10 mm-hmm. months to get her back. And my daughter was at university at the time in yet another country. Uh, so for... For you know, a long period of time, I, I had a, my daughter and my wife in two other countries, and I was here with my with my son. Okay? Mm. And by the time I connected my son and my daughter again, and got you know get, got us all back in the same country, they hadn't seen each other for two years. Wow! Yeah, that's pretty unusual. And I guess in that case, well, our whole idea of the relationship changes. The whole mm. idea. I mean. This Zoom, I remember we had, um, a bunch of interns because we're big on internships and our interns come from overseas. So we brought them over from overseas and they will work in Ho Chi Minh City. Mm. And we used to take interns. We had a, a big cohort from Denmark. So we had about anything from about 10 to 15 of them at any point in time. And, and their government recalled them all. You know, they gave them advice. Hey, come back home. Come back to Denmark. Okay. And they were raging. Like other governments, Australia did the same. You know, they were raging flights to bring their country people back home. And we did this. Some went and some didn't. But going back to the, to the interns, in this period of time where some of them moved back and some of them didn't, uh, there were, there were some quarantines as well, because some of them happened to have got COVID. So they're put into quarantine. And, and we started doing these Zoom calls, uh, to check in on people on a regular basis. And the thing that really hammered it home into me is one day, one session we were having and in turn turned around and said, these calls are my lifeline. Do you realize you were the first people outside of quarantine that I've spoken to this week? You know, know, it's, you know, things that we can't imagine, things that we might get from the history books (laughs) or, you know, our great, great, great grandparents or whatever who tell us them old stories um, of the hardships when they were young, things that, that we would think would never, ever happen to anyone we would ever know in this day and age, especially in the more developed worlds that we
0: live in, can actually happen to us. Very true. Very true.
1: Things will remain unusual.
0: Yes, Rick. So that was the second book. So you said, So you, first is business as unusual, then life as unusual. What's the third one going to be? Work as unusual. Work is unusual, got it. I'm yeah. leaving
1: that till last because the jury's out and I'm not really too sure where the dust will settle because it hasn't settled yet.
0: It really hasn't yeah. settled yet. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you on that. Now, before we um, wrap up, uh, I'd just like to ask, what do you think are the key takeaways for organisations or for CEOs or, you know, managers reading Business as unusual. What do you think are the major takeaways for them? Like top two or three. Top two are or three. You able to summarise it in that way, or, sure. Or whatever, however many you think are <laughs> the most important.
1: Yeah, I think it's really around a core belief that I hold really dear. Is I believe that every one of us has the potential to be the architect of change. Now we live by all these weird technological and non-technological transformations that are are, are happening. And our, our task, our challenge, is not just to keep up and exist, but to actively shape the path forward, okay? And every single day our actions, whether they're big or small, shape our future because our action is a choice. We choose to do or choose to not do And therefore, each one of us needs to remember we are our own brand. And every single one of these choices, every single one of these decisions we make is part of the unique story that makes us human, that makes us us, or makes me me and makes you you, okay? How we react, how we adapt, and how we innovate in the face of change will define not only your story, but your Legacy. So that's, that's the background uh, to it. So to reflect on the takeaways that are, I believe that are in the book, because the book is, you know, it gives you a framework so you can shape your life in a, any way that you wish. But I give you a framework. And within that framework, you know, the framework uses the metaphor of a castle. And within the framework, I'm just hitting you with a shed load of tools. These are all the tools that I use myself, but a lot of the tools that I use are a synthesis of multiple other tools. So I just say, here are all the tools, here are a bunch of tools, you know, here are five tools. Try them all. Find out which one resonates with you. So going back to your original question, you know, I want people to remember that we're not just a participant in today's ever-changing world. We're the architect, and as architects, we are shaping the course of our own lives, our own careers and the world around us. So I encourage all of us as individuals, and if you you know if you have more impact like you are the business owner or a business leader, I encourage you all to embrace the change, but define it rather mm. than just adapt to it so be that catalyst in this in your own business as unusual world
0: yeah absolutely and uh yeah expect the unusual i think i mean that's what i would be um i would be saying uh yeah you've got to get across the new technology so you don't get left behind you've uh, you got to stay as alert and as as healthy and fit as possible to be able to make sure you're uh, you can play the game as best you can, but yeah, because I, I think you're right. I mean, I think we are in this uh, business as unusual world. Uh, just the you know extraordinary amount of change we've been seeing. Uh, it's absolutely, Rick. This has been great. Any final thoughts before we conclude? Yeah,
1: I. Um I, I, of course, encourage the people to go out go out and look, get the book.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. I'll put a link in the show notes. Yep. Oh, Absolutely. Wonderful. Uh,
1: and uh, but more important to that is, you know, change, transformation starts with each of us. You know, as individuals, it's, it's ourselves that has to decide to change or not. Okay. And as we change, we transform because that's what transformation is. That's change. You can't go back after you've changed. You know, once the caterpillar is a butterfly, it can't become a caterpillar again. It has transformed. Okay, and this is really important. Uh, And I think the journey is only beginning. So I'm really, really curious to to hear about your journeys. So as as your listeners embrace this, they try it out. I really encourage them to. You know, let Gene know, let me know, reach out to us and tell us about your journey, because I'm sure they're going to be absolutely fascinating.
0: Yeah, that's good. That's a good point, Rick. I mean, I'd be interested uh, if you're listening and you've got thoughts on, well, how things have become unusual for you and how you're responding, that would be be very useful. And uh, yeah, to the extent that you are, that you have adjusted, you're adapting, then, then yeah, some some thoughts on that would be great. So uh, yeah, Rick, I think that's a, a really good spot to conclude. And I'd like to thank you for, for your time, for your, uh, your thoughts on business as unusual and for the book, uh, which does, yep. It, uh, I think you're onto something here with business as unusual and you've got some good, good tips and good tricks, uh, good bits of advice in that, that book. So uh, good work on that. And I think, uh, yeah, I think the idea of doing a trilogy is, is terrific. And uh yeah, I learned a lot from the conversation, learned about your experience in Vietnam uh, during the pandemic and just how disruptive that was. Uh, and uh, also that's the info about Google and AI with the the flights and reducing the uh, the greenhouse gas emissions. I found that online and I'll put a link in the show notes. I thought that was really, uh, really neat. So yeah. Uh, Again, Rick Ivanovich, thanks so much for your time. I really enjoyed the conversation.
1: Gene, thank you too. I'd like to express my gratitude for for, for allowing me on your podcast today. It's, It's been a fascinating conversation, some great questions. I hope our listeners have enjoyed it as much as I have. And to all your listeners, all our listeners, I really appreciate your time and attention. And just like Gene, I look forward to hearing from some of you from learning from your experience and perhaps giving us the opportunity to share more in-depth future discussions. Thank you again, Gene, and to all our listeners for this wonderful exchange. Until next time, goodbye.
0: Righto, thanks for listening to this episode of Economics Explored. If you have any questions, comments or suggestions, please get in touch. I'd love to hear from you. You can send me an email via contact at economicsexplore.com or a voicemail via SpeakPipe. You can find the link in the show notes. If you've enjoyed the show, I'd be grateful if you could tell anyone you think would be interested about it. Word of mouth is one of the main ways that people learn about the show. Finally, if your podcasting app lets you, then please write a review and leave a rating. Thanks for listening. I hope you can join me again next week. Thank
1: you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. For more content like this, or to begin your own podcasting journey, head on over to obsidian-productions.com.